Good morning. Thanks, guys, for being here this morning. We have a full house, and I don't know who's ready to hear Lee this morning. Yeah, thanks for those, those woo-woos. Um, I know we have a lot of fresh faces here this morning, and I'm not going to call you out because who wants to be called out at this hour in the morning? But uh, for those of you who trusted the guy sitting next to you, they invited you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here, and um, we'll, we'll make it worth your time. We'll make sure you get out of here right at 745, unless Lee needs to go late, and then Lee may be the only one here because <clears throat> we all have to get to work. There's a couple of things I want to let you guys in on. Uh, in the month of December, uh, those of you who know about Love Your Neighbor, which our church has been working on for quite a while, great program with reaching out to uh, not just locally, but also nationally, internationally, been a, just a stellar program. But I want to introduce uh, a new thing called the 12 Days of Serving that will happen in the month of December. And this is not really, I don't think it's been introduced to the church just yet. Maybe it has, maybe I wasn't there, but something like that anyway. So it, this is not the branding. This was just something we did so you can get an idea for what that would look like. But you'll have an opportunity to serve with your family somewhere in the month of December for 12 days. So just giving you a little heads up that you'll be able to be in on that, and it, you'll be able to sign up through cotm.info. If you haven't been using that app, that, that, or that website is so good for everything going on at our church. So just get used to that. And then the second thing, I just want to let you know, you are the first to hear about this, is uh, what we're calling a, well, it's not really, this probably isn't the name either, is it? The, the, the man's man missions trip to Haiti? I don't know. Sort of? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to call it uh, unofficially. But uh, anyway, <laughs> unofficially, officially. But you're the first to hear about this. So we're going to be doing a trip, just a guy's trip, and it'll be construction for churches and, and to help them out there. So that, the, that trip is February 24th through March 3rd, and you'll also be able to sign up through cotm.info. So that's, you'll hear more about that if you're in church this weekend. If not, just take, check the app regularly. So really excited about that for our guys to have something to do. I want to get right into it, so I want to give Lee as much time as we can. Um, Lee had an incredible childhood, a pastor's son with parents who loved him deeply, surrounded by an incredible group of close friends, successful in school and athletics, and called into ministry at the age of 16. Everything remained on an upward trajectory in Lee's life for nearly three decades. That's 30 years. At age 27, he found himself... Th- hmm, 30, 27. Uh, at the age of 27, he found himself uh, the lead pastor of a, of a large church in Omaha, Nebraska, and doing exactly what he felt like he was created to do. But there was a problem. Lee had some unsurrendered places and some blind spots in his life, and ultimately, these would cause his whole world to come crashing down around him. But God was not done with Lee, as we know. And quite the opposite, actually. So we fast forward a few years. Six months ago, Lee was hired as the small groups pastor here at our church. For those of you who are involved in small groups, you know the impact they all have had on our lives. Not just our lives, but our family lives, our children, our church. Uh, many of you are here because of small groups. And so Lee is pastor of that, of small groups, and we're so glad to have him today. So what, please welcome Lee. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. He hooked me up. Hey guys, you awake? It's kind of dark and in here and dark outside, so I'm going to try and be very energetic to keep everybody awake this morning. Um, man, I'm, I've been looking forward to this ever since Johnny and Mark asked me if I, would, if I would speak. I was like, yes, I would really love to speak to this group of men because I really like this setting. If this is your very first time to be here, welcome. You screwed up. You should have come last month when Pastor Greg spoke, but that, that's okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best here this morning. You got some bacon out of the deal anyway, so uh, glad you're here. But maybe you're like me, and you're here most of the time, and every now and then you miss, and every time I miss, I'm reminded, man, I, I, I need this. I need to be around a company of men 
I need that in my life. A company of real men who are just better at stuff than I am. And when I come and I get around you guys, I realize, ah, I'm inspired, I'm challenged, I'm convicted to just get better as a man. And it proves God's word that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And that's really what Men's Breakfast is all about. And so I just want to thank Johnny and his team for putting in a lot of effort to make this possible for us to get sharper as men. That's important. And so I'm glad you're here this morning. Have you ever been in a situation where you just kind of realized it just dawned on you and you went, I shouldn't be here. You ever been in that spot? When I was in high school, I went to Booker T. Washington High School in the early mid-90s. And I went there with some really good athletes. And I took this class my senior year called Individual Sports. And all this class was was an opportunity for our head football coach, Coach Alexander, to work on football stuff and tell the rest of us, yeah, I just go play in the field house, right? That's all this class was. It was a total blow-off class. But I was in there with two guys that went on to play in the NFL and two guys that went on to play in the NBA. And it just so happened one day, you know, we would play basketball, we would play cards, we'd play dominoes. One day they said, let's get a pickup game of basketball going. Believe it or not, I was not taller then than I am now. <laughs> but somehow I ended up guarding in this little pickup game a guy by the name of Ryan Humphrey. I don't know if you guys know that name, but Ryan went on to play at OU and then at Notre Dame and he played for several years in the NBA. 6'8", really good basketball player. And uh, I went down, we got the ball for it first and I went down and he wasn't too worried about me and I shot an outside shot and I made it. And so I said a little, talked a little trash on the way back down the court. And he did not take kindly to me take, talking trash on the way back down the court. So he told everyone to clear out. And it was just me and Ryan. And, uh, you know, Ryan crossed me over pretty easily. And I'm kind of stumbling backwards, trying to keep up with him. And he lifted up off the floor. And it was like time kind of slowed down. And as I just looked right into Ryan's kneecap, which is no, which is really not an exaggeration, and then looked up and his, it, it was cocked right here and he was about to just drop it on my head. Um, I just had that thought, I shouldn't be here, you know? It's like, how did this happen that I would be here? Everyone's watching on the sides. This is about to happen to me. A, cu a couple years later, I was in college. I went to a Bible college and one of my friends was a music major and his senior project was to, to write a musical about the life of David. And he came to me and he said, Lee, you know, I've heard you sing in chapel during worship. You need to be in my musical. And I said, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I need to be in his musical. And he, I was going to be one of the sons of Jesse. And the way this musical was written, the sons of Jesse were going to come to Samuel and, and kind of present themselves why they should be king before David was chosen. And so they all had these different characteristics. And he chose me. I was the son of Jesse that brought to the table exceptionally good looks, which I thought made sense, right? <laughs> Typecast pretty well. But several months later, I find myself on the stage in the chapel of our college, full house. I've got this like wig on my head. I've got a, a long robe on. The, the brother before me has just finished his singing part and there's the little musical transition and it's about my part and it hits me. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like how, what, what events took place to get me to this spot? Because I don't belong here. I want out of this situation. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been in that spot? And I'm guessing that in a room this size, there are some men in this room right now who are asking that same question. Because of a situation in your job, situation with your marriage, with your kids, 
maybe a relationship that isn't with your spouse, maybe a financial situation that you've gotten yourself into, maybe a dependency on something that you never intended to be dependent on, and you're saying, I shouldn't be here. How did I, how did I get into this spot? We're in a good spot right here today. I can relate to that. I know exactly how that feels. Some of you are familiar with my story. Johnny alluded to it. I'm not going to dive into it today the way I do in sometimes in these settings, but I'll just give you the high level. Pastor of a large, healthy church in my late 20s, and really just all the charts in my life moving up and to the right, just everything going well. My leadership was increasing. The church was growing. We were seeing people come to Jesus. I was being recognized. I was being asked to speak for uh, college graduations and different civic events. I mean, everything was going great in my life. And I often said in that season, I wouldn't trade places with anybody. I loved my life. And yet in the midst of all that, of having everything I thought I longed for, doing what I thought God had created me to do, I lost my way. I lost my way. And maybe you can relate to that this morning. That you've, you've gotten off track. You, you've lost your way in, in one area or another. You know what I did? This is what I did. I forgot who I was. I forgot who God is. I took my eyes off of the things that mattered most and I had no one there in that season to pull me back from the path of destruction. And I shipwrecked my life. I had an affair with a woman on my staff that lasted the better part of a year and a half. And when it all came out, I almost lost everything that had ever mattered to me in this world. So close. I shouldn't be here standing talking to you. I shouldn't be the small groups pastor at one of the best churches in America. I shouldn't be one of the leaders of an incredible brotherhood of men called Mountain Men. I shouldn't have a wife who has any love or respect for me or a healthy relationship with my kids. And yet, I do. And if I say nothing today, I want to say this. I want you to hear this. The reason for that is because our God is the God of the do-over. Our God is a God of new beginnings. Jesus is still in the business of meeting you right where you are right now and radically changing the trajectory of your life. And I can say that with confidence because I have lived that. I know it. To be in a spot where you say, how in the world did I get here? And for Jesus to lead you out of it. My story is a story of tragedy and failure. But God's story in my life is a remarkable story of grace and of goodness. And so I tell it every chance I get because it points to his glory. I want to talk about those four things that happened in my life. I forgot who I was. I forgot who God was. I, I took my eyes off what mattered most, and I had no one to pull me back from the brink. 
because I think these four areas have the potential to trip every single one of us in the room up. Two things that I know are true this morning about this room, and I think it would be 100% I could say this. Two things that I know are true. Truth number one, everybody in this room wants to be successful in life. Now, you and I may define that slightly different, but, but I think it's a good desire. It's a deep desire for you to want to be successful in your work, to be successful and productive as a husband and as a father, to do well at the things you do. If there is a target, you wanna know what the target is and you wanna hit the target in the bullseye. You're wired like that that and God put that inside of you and it's a good thing. We should want that desire. But here's the second truth. You and I have an enemy who is hell bent on making sure we don't reach that success. Amen? You have an enemy who has customized schemes to make sure that you miss the mark that you don't reach your deepest desire. In fact, he wants to take your deepest desire and twist it into a desire that will ultimately shipwreck your life. These two things are true. And so God has been teaching me some things over the last five, six, seven years that I wanna share with you because here's where they're gonna be helpful. Either you find yourself in a spot and you're going, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. And you need to know the way to leave that spot and go in the direction of the desires that God has placed rightly in your heart. Or things are tracking pretty well for you right now, just like they were for me almost a decade ago. And that's a dangerous spot. And you want to make sure that you don't get off track, lose your way, and end up on the path of destruction. You see, Satan wants to point us at the completely wrong target. You want to be a guy who points at the right target and hits the bullseye. Satan wants to just give us the wrong target. Even if we hit it, we've still missed. So I'm calling these things the dangerous misses. And here's the first one. A mistaken identity. A mistaken identity. And here's how I want to say it. Who we are, not what we do, will determine our ultimate success in this life. Who you are, not what you do, will determine your ultimate success in life. There are a lot of different passages of Scripture we could look to, but I want to highlight 2 Peter, the first chapter, the fifth verse, and following. I'm just going to paraphrase that, but you've you've got it. You can look it up if you want. But in this passage, Peter says this. He says, make every effort. Now, I just want to stop right there, and I want you to reflect on this question. I want you to really think through this question. What are you working really hard on right now? You think about that? What are you working really hard on right now? Working really hard toward? You see, when you wrestle with that question, it doesn't just tell you what you're doing. It's going to inform a little bit about who you are. Because what you're working hard on, what you're investing yourself in, is going to say a lot about what you care most about. Peter says in this passage, make every effort. And then he doesn't give a list of skills that we need to be working on. He doesn't give a checklist of things that we need to be marking off. This is what he says. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to your perseverance godliness, to your godliness brotherly kindness, to your brotherly kindness love. 
Then he says, for if these traits are increasing in you, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Let that soak in for a second. He gives us a picture of how we can live our lives effectively and productively, and it has nothing to do with what we do. These are character traits about who we are. I was doing a lot for God as the pastor of Kingsway Christian Church in Omaha. I was doing a lot for him but I lost sight of the fact that God doesn't give us gifts to use for our purposes. He calls us to be the kind of men he can use for his. If you're writing things down, write this down. Pursuing success more than Jesus results in neither. Pursuing Jesus more than success results in both. Pursuing success more than Jesus results in neither. Pursuing Jesus more than success will result in both in your life. See, it wasn't just Peter that said this. It was Jesus that said this. You know the passage. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about worry. He says, why are you worried about all this stuff that you want? And it's good for us to want things. It's good for us to have deep desires. But he says, why worry about this stuff that you want? Just seek first his kingdom. Seek first God's righteousness and these things will follow. They'll be added to you as well. Who we are, not what we do, determines our success. There's an order to it. And if you get it out of order, your life will get out of order. You'll miss the target. Here's the second one. Misunderstood source. Our deepest desires elude us most often through a lack of prayer. Here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming that 95, maybe 99% of us in this room struggle in the area of prayer. It's just tough because prayer doesn't line up really well with our nature as men. It requires quietness. It, It requires reflection. It requires slowing down. It requires not taking things into our own hands, but dependence on God. None of these things come really natural for us as men. And that is a simple and brilliant strategy of the enemy to just keep us from asking God for the things that we desire most and just trying to accomplish them on our own. Jesus put it this way in John 15. He said, I am the vine, the source, and you're the branches. If you connect with me, connect with me, you'll bear a bunch of fruit. You'll be productive. You'll you'll accomplish things. But if you try and do it outside of me, you'll wither up. You'll die outside of me. And I have found in my own life that I'm never really asking God for the things that I most desire. It says in the book of James, James asks this question, what do you lack? And then he goes on to say this in James 4. He says, you want stuff, and you do. You can think of 10 things right now that you desire. The bigger house for your growing family, the promotion at work, the more money in the bank for security. Maybe, maybe it's a woman that you're trying to, to win over. Maybe you're a single guy. You want something and it's a good desire. And James says, and you, and you fight and you quarrel and you kill and you covet. You just work and work and work. And then he says, you don't have because you don't ask God. That's what he says. Our deepest desires often elude us most often through a lack of prayer. 
Are you asking God for the things that you want most? And I, I want to say more about that, but in the interest of time, let's go on to this third one. Here's another miss, a dangerous one, a misguided focus. Now, this one's been powerful in my life over about the last two years, and here's the statement that I just keep mulling over. Discovering God's plan for our life must come second to desiring God's presence in it. It's a good thing to want to discover God's plan for your life. That's a good thing. But it has to be secondary to desiring God's presence in your life. That's the difference maker. And this passage that there's a lot of mountain men guys in here and they've heard me talk about this many, many times. But the passage that I love on this topic is Exodus, the 33rd chapter. Here's the story. The Israelites have been in the wilderness. They're about to take the promised land. God goes to Moses, his friend, and he says, Moses, I'm ready to lead you into the promised land. I'm gonna give you what I promised. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go before you and I'm gonna drive out those who are in front of you, but I'm not gonna go with you because you're a stiff-necked, stubborn people. If I went with you, I'd probably kill you. That's what he says. Go look it up. If I get, went with you, I'd probably, I'd probably destroy you. And a little later down in that passage, you know what Moses says in response to that? He says, God, if you're not gonna go with us, then just call the whole thing off. Now think about that. And ask yourself the question, if God came to you and said, I'm gonna give you all of my blessings. I'm gonna give you all that I've promised. Would you take that deal even if God didn't come with it? Moses got it right. He said, if you don't go with us, this is what he said, how will anybody know that you are our God and what will distinguish us from all the other people in the land? Ah. I love this passage and it is so convicting. I would be tempted to take the blessings of God over God himself. What about you? Pursuing God comes first before desiring what he offers. When I was in Omaha and my life was going into the ditch, I realized I cared a lot more about God's presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, presence than I did about God's presence in my life. And that is an easy trap to fall into, to get our focus out of order about what we want to be doing and what God's plan is and not what God wants to be doing in us. Here's the last one. The dangerous miss is a missing brotherhood you can't have a missing brotherhood and make it in this life. I would say it this way. We are destined to failure without a brotherhood to journey with. My favorite passage on unity and brotherhood comes out of the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the wisdom passages from King Solomon. And in that passage, you're familiar with it. He says, two are better than one because I have a good return on their work. They, they help each other be successful. He says, if one falls down, he has someone there to help him up. But pity the man. Feel sorry for the man who has no one there when he falls to help him back up. He says, if it's cold, two, two can stay huddled together and stay warm. I love what, it, what comes after that. He says, if somebody gets attacked by themselves, they're gonna be defeated. But two people can stand back to back 
and defend themselves. And then he says three are even better because a cord or a rope of three strands is not quickly broken. And one of our biggest problems as men is isolation, is it not? We just figure it out on our own. We don't have time to invest in those kinds of relationships. We got our wife, we got our kids, we got all this stuff going on at work, 60 hours at work every week. We got a lot going on, got to get to practice, got to do this. And it's easy to just say, I don't have time for relationships. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous miss. The stakes are really high if you're trying to go it alone. Why? Because we are in a war. Never has there been a war won by a single super soldier. Jesus on the cross and maybe Captain America, but even he has the Avengers, right? I mean, you don't win a war with one super soldier. You have to be together. You have to train together. You have to fight together. You have to have each other's six. God didn't make you complete for a purpose. He didn't make you whole that you would have everything you need. And for me, it's really meaningful this morning because I look out into this room and there's some of you that I don't know. And and whether you believe this or not, I'd, I'd like to get to know you. That's the way I'm wired. But there are a bunch of you that I not only know, but you are my brother's. And when I look at you, I see that I am complete because where I'm weak, I just go and talk to my brothers. They're strong where I'm weak. It makes me strong to be in relationship with them. It makes me smart to be in relationship with them, even though I'm not that smart. It helps me be complete. And you need that because you're not complete. Pursuing Jesus together. I love this. I love this concept. When we pursue Jesus together, it allows us actually to grow closer to him more quickly and more richly. And when our relationship with Jesus is growing rich, it allows us to love and be in community more, in a more healthy way with one another. It's reciprocal. Together, I grow closer to Jesus. When I grow closer to Jesus, I grow more together with the people that I care about. You need that. Here's an example. It's a story I heard several years ago. I don't know if you remember when uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl and Trent Dilfer was their quarterback. I don't know if you remember that. And I heard this story like three or four years after they won the Super Bowl and they were talking to Trent Dilfer and there were several people on this panel and they were talking about how awesome it is to win the Super Bowl. And they got to Trent Dilfer and it just blew me away. Trent Dilfer said, you know, after I won the Super Bowl, I had all these obligations to the media. And as soon as the game was over, they whisked me and I had to do an interview and then I had to go and sit up at the desk with, with, the, with the announcers and stuff and they were asking me questions and, 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 I, and I just went from this outlet to this outlet to this outlet. And when I got back to the locker room, it was empty and there were people vacuuming the carpet. And he said, I sat down at my locker, took off my gear, and he said, it was the loneliest moment of my life. He said, what I wanted to do was jump on the backs of my teammates and pop the champagne and celebrate what we had done together. And you know what I heard in that? Even success is really empty if you do it on your own. 
Even success doesn't mean much if you have no one else to enjoy it with. We are destined for failure without a brotherhood to journey with. You need it. You need a a guy that you have coffee with and get real with. You need a men's small group. You need a, a band of brothers, your high school buddies that follow Jesus. You need something somewhere where you can't get lost. See, I was in a spot where no one could pull me back from the path of destruction. Here, here, here it is, and I think we're okay on time. Here's the last story I want to share with you. We moved back here in 2009. Everything had just blown up in my life. I had had to resign from my job, and I didn't know what I was going to do to provide for my family. I had two young boys at the time. Didn't know what I was going to do for a job. My wife hated me, and we were barely hanging on. She was still considering divorcing me, and she had every right to. Um, I had lost my reputation. I had lost my identity. I had lost my calling. I had lost everything that ever really mattered that much to me, and I was adrift. And I, I don't say this to discourage anybody, but I stayed in that spot for the better part of two years. I took the right steps. We went to counseling. We were in church every week. But I was in the wilderness, and I was far away from where I wanted to be. And I took a trip to the mountains just with myself and my best friend, Brian Job. A lot of you guys know Brian. And, uh, and I decided before I went on that trip that I was not going to come back the same way that I left. And I wrote a letter to my wife stating that. It said, I'm not going to come back the same way that I left. You deserve more. Something has to change. I'm going to, like Jacob, wrestle with God and not let him go until something gives way and something breaks through because I didn't know how much longer I could take it. And I went to the top of this mountain, the top of a peak in Colorado called Crestone Peak, and the, Brian stepped off the top because he knew I needed to do some business with God, and I stood at the top of that mountain, and I cried out to God, and I surrendered to God in a way that I had never done in my life. I was completely empty. And I said to God, God, I can't fix this. And if you don't rescue me, then I'm finished. Just kill me. Hit me with lightning right here because I'm finished. I stood up from that mountain and I walked down and I decided I will believe that God is who he says he is, that he is the one who still takes broken things and makes them whole again and I just sold out to it and from that moment, one of the most defining moments of my life, everything changed. God gave me a picture just about a two or three months ago, of what actually happened there on the top of that mountain. I used to think that I just stood up and knew that God was who he said he was, and I just began to walk that out. But that's not what happened. God showed me something that I hadn't seen before. He said, Lee, when you were standing on top of that mountain and we had that conversation, you jumped off. And that's exactly what happened. I jumped off that mountain. Sure, my physical body came back down. 
But all my hope that I could solve things, that I could fix things, that I could accomplish things, that somehow I could put my marriage back together, that somehow I could regain some form of reputation, that I could ever possibly do anything in ministry again, which I love to do, all that, I just jumped off. And it was the difference maker in my life. And I tell you that story to close things out because some of you are standing right at that edge today. And there's a situation at work. There's a situation with a colleague. There's a situation with your finances. There's something that you're just holding on to. You're just gripping tightly. You're just saying, I've got to sort this out. I've got to fix this. I've got to do it. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to make sure this happens. And you're standing right there and it's time for you to jump off. I jumped off in an effort to say, God, if you're not God, I'm dead. But if you are, you'll catch me. And that's what he did. And I'm just asking you, I'm begging you actually, if you're in that spot, jump. Jump. What do you have to lose? Our God is the God of the do-over. And he's still in the business of radically changing the trajectory of your life. I know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this group of men. They sharpen me. They make me better. They're my brothers. God, I got to feel like the stakes are really high for some guys in this room right now. And this, this, is, it, this is a critical moment for them. I mean, if they're, if they're gonna come out from under that debt that they're feeling financially, like this is a critical moment to trust you with their money. Or some of them are, are wrapped up with some kind of, a, uh, some kind of addiction. They're, they're dependent on something. And to, to break that is gonna, mean, is gonna mean doing some hard things and talking to some people. I pray you'd give us the courage to do that, God. There's a relationship that needs to be changed. There's just maybe a surrender that somebody in this room right now, they feel it in their heart that they know they need to take a step. They need to jump. God, please give us the courage together to jump where we need to jump. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus because it's because of him we can jump and he catches us. It's because of him we can be in a spot where we don't want to be and find our way to you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I feel like this morning we probably just need to bow our heads real quick and say one more prayer. For those of you in this room, I know we've got some new people here um, that um, maybe you're in a place where you really just need to surrender your life more than that thing. Probably just needs to be your heart, your whole heart. And so let's just bow our heads and let's pray this prayer together. Um, A prayer only does its work if you really mean it from the bottom of your heart. So let's don't say it because it's a prayer. There's no magic in it. The magic is in what comes out of your heart when you pray it. So let's just all, let's pray this together. And if, you, um, if you're not in a place where you need to be, and if Jesus is not currently right now the Lord of your life, and you know the things in your life are not right, 
this is that moment for you today. So let's, let's all bow our heads and say this together. Dear Jesus, I come to you not in my own power, but in the power of what you did on the cross for me. I confess my sins now to you, and I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I cling to you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you that my past is forgiven and that I start new today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, um, there are guys all around you. Some of you are here with your small group leader. Let them know that so we, we can know. Uh, you know, it's important that you, you make that confession that you've, you've changed from one side to the other. Um, being saved is a lot more than just a, a life help program. It's literally death and life for you. So thank you for being here this morning. I have a couple more things. Um, next month, we are all honored to have our founding pastor, Pastor Willie George, here with us. So I will let you know this room, as you can see, is already to the borders. So we won't be able to allow a whole lot more people into this. So I will let you in on that early um, so that you can get signed up. But don't wait till uh, the last day, like some of you did this time, uh, to sign up uh, to get into this event because it will, it will sell out and we, we'll have to cap it at the number of people who can be here. So, And then also, uh, I want to let you know, January 5th, we have Kirby Anderson. Uh, Kirby's right here. Uh, those of you who know, Kirby Anderson starts our year out most years and it's uh, eye-opening and awakening and his life of the way he lives his life so faithful and so diligent is always inspiring to me. Maybe a little depressing at times, but uh, when, like he said earlier, you hang out with guys who are better than you are at things and man, he has got it down. And so uh, I've been able to spend some time with him and the things I learned from him is always, are always life-changing. So grateful to have him in January. We've got a stellar lineup for, the, for 2018 for this event. So we will continue to grow. We probably will have to move out of this location, which will make me a little sad because I like how intimate this, this setting is. But grateful that you guys chose to be here. Grateful that, um, that you guys, especially those of you, maybe this is your first time, I'm grateful that you uh, chose to be here this morning. So Lee, thank you. Thank you for continuing to share your story. Every time I hear your story, I just we're always inspired and, and want to do more and get better and get to the mountain. Um, so anyway, happy Friday to all of you. Uh, one, other th- one last thing. Um, if you are not receiving emails, some of you, I know you get frustrated because I send out a lot of emails, but we want to make sure that you know that it's, that it's sign-up time. Um, if you are not getting emails, uh, there's an email list that uh, someone has, Matt has there. If you'll see Matt there, he has his hands up. Let's make sure we get on that list so that you get invitations. So especially if you're new and you you were invited by someone else, we want to make sure you get invited directly. But thank you for being here this morning. God bless you all and have a great week. Thank you.